That's uh, how you create a you spontaneity just, in a podcast. You just stare at us and wait. I wanted uh, somebody to say something funny, but... Uh, well, once we w- were all like in agreement that we were ready, we were kind of <laughs> just waiting for it. And then it, well, like, we, were, we were waiting too long, so... We're not going to like spontaneously start a completely different conversation when you're like, are we ready to go? We're ready? Okay, let's go. Hey, yeah, man. But this is a good intro. Uh, welcome to episode 82 of <laughs> Off the Crossbar. You will note that it's me saying hello and giving you the episode number, not Kyle. That's Although right. Kyle's welcome to do it. I don't want to do that ever again. Okay. I also do not you. want to do that ever again. Well, fair enough. It was fun, though. It's pretty I much mean, your job, and I don't enjoy doing that. Yeah, you should never, never leave ever again. Okay. How about cool. next time we just all go together? That sounds good. To San Francisco? Let's do it. Sure. To San Francisco. I mean, I will only go if I can get Pakistani food again, so. Well, yeah, okay. Go. Social hour. Yeah. Tell us about San Francisco. I know we yeah. briefly mentioned that you had Pakistani food uh, last week, but uh, we, not in much detail. So Yeah, so uh, you heard that I ate Pakistani food. What you didn't hear is that the next day we also had that same Pakistani food. Uh, both Ian and I ordered the same thing again uh, because it was just that good. Wow. Just incredible. Uh, easily like top five food experiences for me and it's, it's not like a, a fancy place by any means it's called pack one so if you're in san francisco uh please go there is oh, it like that, downtown or is it like in a s- specific part of town like where is it yeah we went to the one in <coughs> excuse me in the mission uh but they've got like three other locations so okay i think they should put one in the airport but i don't know what that costs <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got one in the Tenderloin. Nice. There's one in the Mission. Uh, maybe there's one in Fremont. I assume it's the same chain. Uh, and one in Hayward. So I, I don't know if those are related. They're, I mean, they're both in the Bay Area. But there is one in Chandler, Arizona called Paquan. Really? Uh, so I will happily report, report, report back, back on, on that, that one. I'll be in Although, Arizona in April. So well, here's the thing. It's like, if it is, that does benefit you because you go to Arizona regularly. I think San Francisco is pretty much just as, uh, as, uh, like accessible to me as Arizona, you know? Yeah. And so. it's so good. So, all right. Well, I love that for us. How was, how was, uh, everything else in San Francisco? Yeah, it was really good. Uh, we listened to a podcast on the airplane home. Actually, it was episode 81 of Off the Crossbar. Nice. Um, I just want to say, uh, I hope we don't have Colin on too much because I think it makes me look bad. Colin you know, is very good. Maybe, if not Colin, maybe Sarah. That might be That's a true. Sarah was, she was excellent. She was a fan fave. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I came home and Saturday I went to a Real Salt Lake game and oh, yeah. I don't know. It was fine, I guess. It was, it was, it was decent. Yeah. Trevor, Trevor, what have you been up to? Let's, let's go. Wait, hold on, Matt. Any, any television or, or movies to report back on? Uh, still watching Columbo. Did I talk, talk about watching Columbo? I think so. You mentioned I think, that you were it, watching Columbo. It's just now. so good. Like he bumbles around and pretends like he doesn't know what's going on the whole time. And it's just incredible. I think 
that there is a Twitter account, or maybe it's that's like Columbo out of context. Oh, that sounds good. I think, or maybe it's just a guy that I follow that's into film Twitter that every now and then will just post screenshots from Columbo. Out yeah. of context. Out yeah. of context, yeah. And they're always good. Yeah. One little trivia bit. Uh, did you know that Steven Spielberg directed the first episode of Columbo before he'd done a feature film? Really? Did not know that. It was a little weird and out there, but so, uh, wait. So, what year was that then? Oh, 1971, I think. Okay. I mean, I'll give you a concrete answer momentarily. Uh, but the whole show is is good. Everything's individual. So, well, sorry. Uh, yeah, 1971. Wait, what really was Steven Spielberg's weird. first movie? What's that? What was Steven Spielberg's first movie? Is this a quiz or pop a quiz? looking up? I honestly don't know. Is it, it wasn't 2001, uh, was it? Not 2001. Uh, no, Close that's Encounters. What, that's what I'm thinking of. He did a short film in 1968 called Amblin. And then in 1971, he did a film called Duel, which huh. I have not seen. Neither have I. Uh, and then he, the Sugarland Express and then Jaws. Oh, Okay. He did do Close Encounters, all right. I'm not crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is uh, four years before Jaws, and you can see like a director coming out, right? A director yeah. with a style, um, but it is not the style he's known for. And like, there are lots of weird wide-angled close-up shots, and it's a blast. And the episode's good. That's good to know. Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting show. I uh, I looked it up last time we talked about it, and I, it's it's on my list. I have got. One other show I got to get to first, and then I think I'll give it a go. Yeah. Other than that, uh, just slowly making my way through succession. Um, episode at a time, really. About once That's a the week. way to do it. So good. It really is. What this ends my show. social hour update. Trevor, what's going on with you, man? Matt, the account is called Columbo Screens. Columbo Screens. They post right. a daily screenshot from colombo and it's good okay anyway um what am i up to yeah um i'll tell you what last week was one of not the worst but it was probably like top five worst work weeks that i've had oh in the I'm last sorry. several years that sucks uh it was it wasn't like bad it was just frustrating i guess a lot of unnecessary stress because it like should have got done and then we ran into some problems that just made it impossible to finish and I always hate it when that happens. But anyway, Friday was just really miserable. And then so we did have some plans to like get out and go do stuff on Saturday. Um, not on Saturday, on Sunday, because Saturday was the RSL game. Yeah. But on Sunday, we had plans to like go hike the Y and get out and like go for a walk to the park and hang out there. And I just did not have any interest in doing anything this weekend. Anything strenuous at all. Nice. Um, so we stayed in. Um, caught up on some video games and uh i did find a movie on netflix that i guess is a new movie i'd never heard of it before uh it's called windfall wind windfall windfall like one windfall. word it's basically it stars jesse plemons lily collins and jason oh it's Siegel. that show wait is it good it's so here's, it's not like great um it's kind of a little bit of a predictable storyline um i really liked it interesting i thought it was really good the thing is is i love all three of those people yeah a lot and the movie was like written and not directed by but it was like written and produced by those three people 
Oh, nice. Okay, that's so, cool. Yeah, it's basically it's just like Jason Siegel's like a guy that broke into a very rich person's house and was just chilling and hanging out there, and then was on his way out when the very rich guy and his wife show oh, up. I saw a trailer for this. Yes. Okay. And so he like kind of holds them hostage but they're like willing because they're super rich so they're just like all right we'll just pay you whatever it is just wait for us to get the money and then it's just them waiting for him to get the money and okay. <laughs> they're just like hanging out and it's a little bit of like a he's jesse plemons plays like a rich like tech guy it's made like billions of dollars off of some algorithm that he sold to businesses that help him streamline. It's very like, love those words. Love, private, love buzz. Yeah. It's very like private equity. Like he makes the argument that there's bloated businesses that are just hemorrhaging money that fail. And he saves them by showing them where they can cut money by basically just laying off a whole bunch of workers. And he's uh, like, no, it's good because now the business doesn't fail. So instead of everybody losing their jobs, only some people lose their jobs. And that's a good thing. I see. I see and, what's going on. And so that's that's juxtaposed between him and like the guy that's looting their house or trying to. And then it's like, who's yeah, the he, real looter, you know? Yeah. He's basically saying like, you must be somebody that got laid off from a company that uses my software. Like, or like which company that I created, are you really mad at? You know, like you, you can't really be mad at me. You have to be mad at what I made. And is it a spoiler to say whether that's what happened or not? Like, um, no, because you don't really ever learn what his uh, actual motives okay. are. Like it's kind of hinted that it's something along those lines. He's, he definitely like chose he, he knew this rich he guy was. to rob. I see. He knew who he was. He knew what he did, but it's never really like explicitly stated that like he lost his job due to this guy or anything, but he clearly doesn't like him and what he represents. Gotcha. So like he chose to rob him for that reason. Um, but no, it's really cool. Um, it's got a little bit of a surprise twist ending. Okay. Um, what is it? I'm not sure that I liked, <laughs> but I did like the whole movie at the end of the day. It was a good movie. Nice. I liked it. I love it. Um, but other than that, that was, yeah. what was that? IMDb users don't love it. They only, it's got a 5.7. I don't know what that really means if we're being honest, but like, I could see it because yeah, I don't know. Okay. It, I just, it wasn't like a super flashy, like Hollywood blockbuster movie. It was basically just like three people in a room talking and then sound, they moved to a different like place a Sundance and they had a different conversation. Was it at Sundance? And that sounds like a Sundance kind of thing. Kind of. Yeah. But to be honest, like dialogue heavy movies are some of my favorite movies. Yeah. So Oh, where man. it's not really moving the story along. It's just people talking to each other. Have you heard of the movie Mass? Mass? It's just called Mass. Anyway, M-A-T-H? M-A-S-S. So M-A-S-S. No, it's, I haven't. It's, an extra, it's only dialogue, the entire movie. Um, basically, it's this like mediation session between these two sets of parents. And one one set of parents their child did like a school like a mass school shooting and then the other set of parents is one like their child was someone who died in that in that school shooting Hmm. and it's just like this conversation between these two sets of parents and it's a very good movie it's obviously extremely heavy but if you like dialogue heavy movies that was probably my favorite dialogue heavy movie that's just been like literally the entire thing is just them like sitting in a room so Hmm. 
But. That sounds like one of my. Hang on, I got. I always. I was going to say this is one of my favorite movies, but I always forget the name of it. Uh, the Sunset Limited. The Sunset Limited. It's kind of an older one, but it's my favorite version of this kind of movie. It's Tommy Lee Jones and Samuel L. Jackson. And basically, Samuel L. Jackson, um, you find out through the movie, basically, oh, Samuel L. Jackson's like a janitor that saved Tommy Lee Jones. He was like going to kill himself on a train station platform. Yeah. So he brought him back to his apartment and the whole thing begins with them coming to the apartment. And it's just like an hour and a half of them talking about... Um, whether or not like suicide is a good thing and it gets into like religious parts of it and the benefit like the pros and cons of like is is it really worth it um is it a good idea bad idea that kind of thing and they just like go really deep as two old guys Hmm. who've lived full lives talking about why you should not kill yourself basically yeah interesting i have a confession to make Sure. Sometimes I get Tommy Lee and Tommy Lee Jones confused in my head, and it just yeah. creates the best mental images. <laughs> That's all. I wish that movie were Tommy Lee and Samuel L. Jackson instead of Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. What, if, what, if, what if Men in Black were Tommy Lee instead of Tommy Lee Jones? We'd be in for an entirely different experience. Be incredible. Oh, I love it. Now I'm um, imagining every Tommy Lee Jones role. As Tommy, Tommy Lee, like, that's like so Fugitive, funny. I think is my favorite. <laughs> oh, I that's see he was great. in at least one film, but probably not one we should talk about on air. No, <laughs> that's true. Um, there is like a Hulu series about that, actually, right oh, now. That's true. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, tre- okay, Trevor, that's that's a pretty good update. Um, you got to go on a hike soon instead of keep. Uh, you gotta, I gotta, I gotta make you do it. I think I gotta have a not top five worst work week. Yeah. That would probably be, I'm sure this week is going to be a lot easier. So good plan on hearing about a hike next week. Nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, since last week it's been, it's been, uh, it was busy work wise for me, but I, uh, a good buddy of mine, Mark Yeselevsky, uh, is, was considering or is considering he's he's probably moving out of california um and he's maybe moving here so he came for the weekend to like look for apartments uh etc and well one um i don't think it's a great time to be looking for apartments right now like by no fault of his own i just didn't i i mean i knew i know like housing here is crazy but like it's like crazy crazy um yeah apartments are no better as a guy who's kept a little bit of an eye on it over the yeah. last two years apartment hunting especially in and around salt lake is not an enjoyable experience yeah especially remotely too like uh like they don't feel the need to um you know like get back to people like promptly or online and he's got like not a ton of time to figure out uh where he's going next but um kind of interesting is that like a lot of the places were also being weird about like you need to you like you need to be ready to move in like in the next week or in like five months from now and nothing in between. <laughs> like if you're not ready in the next few days, then like it's gonna be like months. Like we can't hold anything for you until uh until April even because uh we'd be missing out on like five days of rent potentially. So um yeah, so that's a thing. But yeah, Mark came into town uh 
just did like some normal Salt Lake stuff. Uh, he's a runner. So he was like, we're running around my neighborhood or whatever at elevation versus sea level in California. So that was something. And then, um, yeah, we went to the RSL game and it was, it was a, it was an extremely good time. Like, uh, this counts as social hour because it was the social aspect of the RSL game. Mm -hmm. We got there super early to hang in the tailgate lot and eat tacos. And I hadn't been, uh, I hadn't been getting the Al Pastor for a, a while. I haven't gotten an Al Pastor for a while and I don't know why. And then I got three Al Pastor that day and they were just phenomenal. And I was like, wow, yeah. I forgot how good the Al Pastor is. So that's my new go-to there. Um, mm -hmm. So that was delightful. Hung out with you guys there. Uh, I just had sure. like, and I, I, in the lead up to this game, I was, I was trying to collect a bunch of tickets because I had a bunch of friends who had expressed uh, friends who don't normally go to games, uh, had expressed like some level of interest in, in going to, to this one in particular. And the weather was good, a lot better than the home opener. And so I was just trying to collect tickets to give to, my friends because i know they'd go to use by people who hadn't gone in a while and i thought this would be a really fun one to go to and it ended up that was the case so yeah. um i had a bunch of friends come who don't come very often and uh yeah it was great everyone we just uh we're all in the south end um which is a fun place to be when you're kind of just like a casual fan i think and you're not uh when you're just like an adult without children, it's probably even more of a fun place to be. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, that was that was great. And then Carly and I went and saw the movie X <laughs> on on Friday, which is the new A24 like slasher oh. horror movie, which was pretty fun. But yeah, um, it was kind of like a throwback horror type movie, and it was a good time. Was that Could one? any good because i'm oh, not really big into like slasher horror but like that one looks interesting it, you might like it it's like it really feels like kind of like a classic like slasher but like just with well i mean it does take place like even in like the uh in 1979 so okay but it's like it's got like modern touches in so much that like kid cuddy is in it <laughs> and he's good <laughs> um but yeah it's a good movie um i, I, I really enjoyed it it was fun but uh, other than that, we finished Broadchurch and I talked to Sarah about Broadchurch. I didn't know that she uh, had such an affinity for that show like I do. And that was great. Got to talk to her about it. Um, yeah. And then I think I'm going to start Station Eleven next. But the problem is the Oscars are a week from today. And so I have a few more best pictures I got to watch um, before, before my time is up next week. So, um, yeah. Anyway, pretty pretty chill pretty chill uh last week for me i think the weekend went by like extremely quickly like having someone in town we were just kind of like doing a bunch of stuff hanging with friends or whatever and it just made it go by super quick which kind of sucks but you know we do what we can and uh i need to go out hiking this this week so are there are there really 10 nominations for the best picture yeah dude yeah they doubled Is the it? field what like six seven years ago yeah okay i always thought there were like four um, there used don't to pay be that like, much attention to this kind of five. thing. But. It's all right. It's, there's some bad nominations in my opinion, but like if don't look up wins, I saw it, I saw a tweet. <laughs> oh, the it was really funny. 
I saw a tweet that said, if Don't Look Up wins, I'm going to personally do everything I can to cause more global warming. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> I just don't like, I mean, Adam McKay has just started to annoy me a bit. Like, like as a person or as a director? Just his, his filmmaking. I It's just kind of obnoxious to me. And like, I I wanted to, he has a new show about the um, the Showtime Lakers on HBO called Winning oh, Time. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I wanted to like it quite a bit. And I, I haven't given it like a full shot, but the whole breaking the fourth wall thing can sometimes really take me out of it. And like, I I liked, I liked the breaking of the fourth wall thing, like when it, like for the big short, because there was a lot of stuff that I felt like needed to be explained, like that needed, that was like. It like benefited or to have like somebody like literally like explaining like the intricacies of like the stock market, you know? Yeah. Um, and I thought that was fine, but like, uh, when you're watching like winning time, uh, and, and other shows where like, he's heavily relying on like seventies ambiance and like it's shot on film. It's like, it looks really pretty. It's, it's like the set design is incredible. The costumes, like everything, the cars they are driving, like literally everything looks great. And then like they're just doing this constant like talking to the camera thing to like stuff that could just be that could just be uh, shown through exp- uh, um, like conversational exposition and just like the show. It's really fascinating that he feels like he has to do the dang um, breaking of the fourth wall constantly. It's, it's it drives like me a little that nuts. he's got that he just can't let go. Dude, it is so we- I'm like. It like takes me out of it every single time they do it. I'm like, like it, it's because everything looks like cinematically fantastic. And then I'm just like, oh, like we're doing this again. Like you could just you could instead of just telling me what's happening, you could just show me or if you tell me who people are, you could just show me who they are. Um, I don't know. It's weird. So maybe I'll give it another shot. But Adam McKay with like, don't look up. I just I. Uh, yeah, as as somebody who could be described as like a climate extremist, uh, I really did not like that movie. <laughs> I was just ignored. So, um, bless his heart. You're, you're in favor of extreme climates. Yes, and I you guess. want to push us in that direction. Further? That's right. Yeah, okay. I th- I'm actually in favor. I, I see. I see you. The, what's happening, and I like it. I think it's good. Actually, oh, no. No. Yeah, I'm just I. And then he's like, oh, if you don't like my movie, then like you're like you you don't support like fighting climate change. I was like, dude, no, that's come on. It's not how that works. Him and David Sirota were just making me so mad when that movie came out that I as someone who also really liked David Sirota, I was just like, you guys are driving me absolutely bananas. But anyway, uh, Adam McKay used to make really good movies that I used to really like. So anywho, um, yeah, let me me ask you a question. So now that. Adam McKay has made Don't Look Up, which you don't like, and is making yeah. a Showtime show, which you're <clears throat> going probably to not like, potentially. Well, it's Showtime Lakers on HBO called Winning Time because he can't call it Showtime because of the right. network called because Showtime. That would have been amazing, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that in mind, does that like sully your opinion of like the big short and his other stuff? No, I don't think so. And like I like okay. his uh, the other guys, I think it was a really good movie, uh, good like buddy cop movie but like in a good way um and like obviously stepbrothers and like talladega nights and all that stuff it's like it's great and that stuff just like an anchorman too is is obviously good so yeah it doesn't solely me he just uh bugs me now so um but you know i didn't realize that the power of the dog was a best picture nominee yeah and that's one i keep putting off i know i need to watch that one too 
I know. That's the Benedict Cumberbatch one, right? Yeah, the Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. like, Western one. Yeah. When I went through anyway. my Western kick, that one kept coming up, and I was like, uh, we'll, we'll watch that one next. And then it just keeps getting pushed back. Yeah. Oh, also, I, I will say that um, the Thursday before uh, RSL home games is the beer bar night, where, like, it's like a pregame before RSL games, and, like, RSL people are there, supporters groups, etc. Um, and it's fun and good. So people should and go to that and do that on Thursdays before RSL home games. Yeah. I this thought that they were just doing that. Of, no, it's an every it's an everyday yeah, thing. That's what I was gonna say. I, I thought that they were just doing that for the first game, but no, it's every game. It's every it's every home game. Every home and game. also uh it next time won't be on St. Patrick's Day and the beginning of the NCAA tournament. So I don't know. That's not going to happen again <laughs> until maybe <laughs> next year. But um, it was like a bit busier that time than the last time. But yeah, like Nick Ramondo comes and hangs out. Like I met Keaton uh, that day too. It was the first time I met him in person. We had a great time. But um, yeah, it was it was good. So there was that. And then so I went to Channon Thai that night. And then I when uh, Mark was here, we got Channon takeout like literally the next day. So mm. I, it was a Channon heavy week for me and i am very happy with with my decision so good but anyway um that's we that's it we we could talk news and rumors now i know there's a lot on this yes uh trevor would you read this verbatim (laughs) we no updates right you sound very joyful there well there is there is one update we what do you want me to do there is one update there we uh, go. I've tabbed it in, but, so now it's under. Oh, okay. Picture. I thought that would be the second bullet, but it uh, could have been its own bullet. Uh, um, I will say that Bofo Sacedo played for Pumas like a couple days uh, after we recorded last, and he scored the uh, winning goal for them. Essentially, uh, it ended up taking them to penalties against the New England Revolution. Uh, his his goal did, and then they uh, won in penalties because Sebastian Legette is bad so incredible game yeah that was really good uh so before that game so of course this comes on the heels of the heavy rotated squad that played against rsl and blew that lead and lost in uh fox bruh and what was the what was the lead that they had it was like they had not a three a close they one, had a right? three zero lead on pumas oh and so big lead yes when asked about it uh um bruce arena said they're the ones that need to sc- like it before this game he said like asked about game plan and he said explicitly they're the ones that need to score not us and they did and then the reps didn't and um yeah that (laughs) happened so (laughs) that sucks tough yeah it was a pretty tough uh tough week for rsl or for the revs against uh, rsl academy products they they did not have a good week against uh players who played under uh freddie juarez at the academy i believe so tate schmidt Bofo yeah, Sacedo. Justin, Justin Glad, Tate Justin Schmidt, Glad. Buffalo Sacedo. Uh, not, not great time for a Revs fan. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then we still obviously haven't heard anything since then. Oh, wait, actually, MLS transfer rumor is also reported on the Sacedo news. So they just basically just took what RSL show said like th- three weeks ago and then just said it again. Yeah. But, um, and again, nothing, we're not giving a lot of credence to these rumors, right? No, uh, not well, that I- one. Not from that person. That well, account. Right. No, that's and, but I do believe that Bofa wants to come back. I don't yeah. know, which is what RSL show reported. Right. Is that he wants to come back. Yeah. Um, whether that happens, sense. I'm skeptical, but 
I will say though that uh haven't heard much more about uh Sovereigno, which kind of sucks. Yeah, um, it's been radio silence. Which uh, I don't know what that means. Anderson Julio, uh don't know about that one still, but it yep. sounds like <laughs> it's literally we're just I think we're just waiting for San Luis to give up, right? <laughs> I mean that's I th- the idea, but I I mean yeah, the, what I've heard, and I don't know how much credence we want to give to this, is that basically RSL's given them a number, and San Luis has said another number that's slightly higher than that, and RSL is just like standing pat and just being like, we're not going to pay more than this. So as soon as you change your mind, let us know. And yeah, apparently the numbers are not like wildly apart. Like it's not like 500,000 and 4 million. Like, they're yeah. pretty close, and RSL is just not going to pay more than they said. Yeah, and you may have seen reports on Twitter uh, four days ago. Did this make it on the show? I can't uh, remember. That New England and D.C. United are yeah. interested in him, the air quotes there. Yeah, uh, I, I don't bet, think it means anything, though. I don't. I, that guarantee, I, that just sounds like trying to get us to agree to that number. So I did yeah. see some <clears throat> funny Twitter chat today from a couple of Rangers fans who... Uh, do, let me find the quote because it's very funny. Rangers fans, yeah, Rangers like Glasgow Rangers. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. Or not not the hockey team. I went uh, from hockey to baseball, and then I was trying to find a soccer connection, and for some reason, that took a lot longer to find. Anyway, the the gist of it was that uh, Anderson Julio hadn't played in any you know in leagues worth considering uh, for the Scottish Premier League, and that oh, yeah. killed me uh, because. It's the Scottish Premier League. Yeah, come on. There are literally two teams in the Scottish Premier League. Yeah. Like, come on. And also, like, the Scottish Premier League is where several players have gone when they didn't quite make it in MLS. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Ian Harks is playing in Scottish Premier League. Any Anyone from MLS can go to any team very easily in the Scottish Premier League. That's not Rangers or Celtics. So, also, Nick Romando had a nice Celtic jersey on. on uh oh. On uh, St. Patrick's Day, so that was very appropriate. Um, yeah, so uh, nothing with those guys, but and nothing with Kuaar as as well. I yep, I guess. nothing. Yeah, I mean, he's been called up to Colombia. He's with the Colombian national team now, uh, so that's where all the talk around him is centering. And I can't imagine yeah. he he's got to be smarter in Saucedo and probably is not talking about transfer rumors or where he might go in the middle of an international call up. And like the most important international call up of the last like three years. Like, yeah, this is the one that that determines if Colombia goes to the World Cup or not. Like, I don't think he is worrying about transfers even a little bit right now. Yeah. I take that a lot more than Club World Cup, which is mostly a meaningless tournament. Yeah. Well, not when Liverpool won it. So, you know, let's be nice. Oh, I know. And it was good. Um, so let's see, no more rumors, but we do have some news. Yeah, Trevor, what is it? I know Um, you have a strong opinion about it. Hold on. Okay. Sorry. The news, uh, Monarchs released a new Jersey and it's very cool. It's very awesome. I really, really enjoy it. They posted a video a few days ago where they showed all the kids that play for Monarchs, like looking at it and like reacting to it. Emphasis on the kids. Yeah. Kids, children. Child. Um, and I did not put a lot of stock into it because that always seems like 
hey guys, say something good about this jersey. We don't care how much you actually like it. Like we need people to be hyped about that. Like that's the feeling of those videos. Yeah. But turns out I don't think they were lying or coached at all. It's a really cool jersey with like a kind of hoop design kind of. And it's got the blue and the red and gold and some kind of thing in the background that's like mountains or something. It's cool. It's really cool. I really like it. Yeah. And a non-Deloy Hansen company on the front. So uh, that's also a nice thing. Oh, the company. Yeah, it's funny that they said that. I've got – so for work, occasionally I have to wear a hard hat and like vest and stuff because we work on like actual construction sites. Oh. And so we have – next time you're – wearing a hard hat for us all right i will cool um but no i, I did some work f- at a place that makers line was in charge of and they make you go through like their makers line safety training oh, and nice. you have to have a makers line sticker on your hard hat to show that you've gone through the safety training so i've got a makers line sticker on my hard hat so it's kind of like i'm supporting the monarchs with my hard hat a little yep. bit that's your new monarchs jersey you don't even have to buy a jersey <laughs> Trevor's just in the supporters end with a hard hat with a teeny tiny sticker on the back that says maker's line (laughs) he just loves business are all hard hats yellow no mine's very white most of them are white oh Oh, that makes sense do you think they make like boutique hard hats they've gone to Um, they make like fancy ones I wouldn't use Hmm. the word boutique (laughs) (laughs) oh that's too bad but they have like different styles. <laughs> Boutique hard hats. Like look such different. A funny. <laughs> some of them are like a little bit more like protective of the back of the neck. And uh, some of them are a little bit more like baseball cappy. Okay. But Boutique hard hats. <laughs> uh, I'm now looking for a bespoke hard hats. And again, bespoke. bespoke. <laughs> there's something about you know, hard hats that's just. Uh, that's a, just that's think a about much the better word for it. It's still, it's still pretty hats. pretentious, but yeah. Yeah, that's the goal. It's so good. I, I think that's really what you need on a construction site. Hey, man. Carhartt's cool. Uh, fair enough. We're talking about bespoke hard hats now. That's a great idea. Yeah. I wonder if Carhartt's streetwear line, if they do hard hats. <laughs> I'd love that. I hope so. Me too. Anyway, so yeah, the jerseys are sweet. Uh bunch of people I know from like other you know that support other teams or in other states think they rule so it's not just our homerism talking they're actually good and trevor very strongly strongly tweeted out opinion today about how he would like to see more risks taken with uh the club's jerseys as well i will say though like i don't know rsl's i i don't think you were just talking about rsl but like um I mean, although this this current primary uh, kit this year is a bit more uh, minimalistic, but I think in a good way. Yeah, uh, we've had some like kind of kind of funky ones in years past. So yeah, and mostly I was just yeah, it wasn't exactly directed at RSL, but it kind of was. Um, this year's <laughs> RSL kit, like the RSL kit, is like it's kind of a throwback. It's a very classic, very much like trying to just be as simple as possible and as classic as possible. And there's definitely like room in the world for like trying to make your Jersey classic. But if you're going to do something different with it, you know, like we've done in the past where you have like one sleeve that's blue or something like that, like you can do so much more 
than what RSL has done in the past. Sure. Yeah. Like the most creative stuff we've done is like the one blue sleeve or like the gradient yellow crown thing that we did. And like, those are good ideas, but it feels like none of them are like fully fleshed out and nobody was really going for it or like taking any serious risks. And it seems like under this umbrella, we've done that with the Royals. Every single kit that the, that they put out for the Royals was awesome. Every yeah. single one. I've really enjoyed our, our away kits. Our, yeah, our last I, two away kits, I really liked. I really liked the digital one, the white with the Me red. Me too. I, got, I know I have some people one. didn't, and I get it. but I like that one. I really liked it. But again, that it feels like they could have done more with that. They could have made it a little bit, I don't sure. know, more. So I like that they did something a little bit different out of the box, something that they haven't done before. And I just think that like, you can do that and be successful at it. You don't have to have a classic kit every single time. And if you're going to go for it, like go for it. Yeah. That's all. Love and it. Yeah. Like I said, it's not just for RSL. Um, there's a lot of teams that it seems like they just don't try or they. Especially this time around. Yeah. I felt like this was an especially yeah. like kind of boring year. But Yeah. The only team that really tried was like um, NYCFC with their kind of orange gradient blue thing that they did yeah they tried something i didn't really like it but i love that they were trying it you know what i mean like they they went for it and that's awesome and i love that they tried and it's a memorable kit it'll like 10 years from now somebody will wear that and they'll remember that shirt you know what i mean yeah it'll be more memorable than the uh the championship banner they put up in the (laughs) temporarily put up in yankee stadium at last week yeah do you think so, they yeah. got permission to do that or were they hoping that was officially no that was officially from the club that did that oh. that wasn't even like supporters that did that that was the club's banner for winning mls cup was that tiny little uh postage stamp postage yeah. stamp <laughs> so yeah. with like four fans unveiling it just good for awesome them. no notes looked great <laughs> what a weird club like they're, they're doing so, well on the field yeah they're but, so good yeah or at least they were last year. I don't. I, I don't know how good they've been this year, but they were so good last year. Uh, I mean, they're they've been the, kind of bad this year. Well, but Doyle keeps going on about this when people start complaining about power rankings at the beginning of the season. Which, whatever. But NYCFC and Seattle have both clearly put the emphasis on Champions League rather than yeah the MLS season and sure. like it's clearly shown and they're both teams that like if they lose their first seven games of the season it's totally they'll, fine they'll figure it out they'll make yeah. the playoffs and they'll be good by the end of the year so it doesn't matter um so yeah they've looked good in Champions League and they're playing Seattle in two weeks now for to get to the final so oh really we have an MLS semifinal yeah and the it's other uh, uh Liga MX so yeah it's oh, is it really? and Cruz Azul on one side and then Seattle and NYCFC on the other. So there's going to be an MLS team in the final. That's I didn't even know that. Wow. Cool. I guess I, um, I wish we had Castellanos on on our team anyway. Uh, he's so good. Yeah. And also like, well, I guess we'll we'll get to it when we talk about the game, but let's um, talk about the game. Yeah. I wish we had, uh, Hani Mukhtar on ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Dude, he is so good. Yeah. He's so good. Had a fantastic game, except for the finishing aspect. I mean, it like wasn't even on him. He like, yeah, yeah. He had two. He had two really good, at least two chances that he probably should have scored. But Zach McMath made some really great saves. But um, 
Yeah. So we, we played Nashville and we did, we did some goal. We did a goal real quick. It was great. Well, for, first of all, just like, uh, the stadium, like things are just really good at games right now. Like I was yeah. kind of worried going into this one just because the home opener, we had, there was so much momentum for the home opener and it was, it really was like just an objective bummer that like it, everyone had to leave <laughs> because yeah. it was so cold and like frigid and like really miserable to be there. So I, I of course did not blame anyone for leaving. I did it first, but then I, I it got way, way colder. And then I was like, <laughs> get out of here. It's yeah. insane. <laughs> so yeah, it was fine. Um, but I, I like, I was kind of nervous. Like I really didn't know what like turnout would be like, I guess. Um, but it was great. Like the stadium felt super, super full. That was like the, the most, it's the most people I've like felt in the stadium or seen in the stadium just from an eye test. It's like, that was noticeably more full well, than an it eye test been. and a sound test. Like, yeah. When everybody was getting on, um, Zimmerman at the end and when everybody was mad at the ref those couple of times, like it was big, like yeah. you yeah. felt it. And yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It, it's always a different feeling when when the whole crowd feels one way about something when it's a 20,000 when it's like a packed stadium with 20,000 people versus 14 or 15,000 that we've had the last several years. For sure, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and uh I I mean like when so <laughs> we 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 put pressure on pretty early and we got a corner real quick. And I was like, I, I turned to, to, uh, um, my friends behind me. I was like, RSL scores first two minutes. I can feel it. And then we <laughs> score. I didn't think it was going to be from that corner. I just was like, wow, we're putting on a lot of good pressure. Like this is, yeah. this feels good right now. And so that was obviously great. Love to see that. Um, Bobby Wood scored, uh, a really nice header from a corner from who took the corner. Was it Pablo? Uh, just had to be Justin Miram. Miram took that one because Pablo yeah. takes one from the other side, I think. Yeah. The, mm. Miram hasn't been taking corners up until really this game, right? Not that I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, he's <laughs> not a great header of the ball. Like Bobby? Uh, no, just Miram. Justin. Oh, right. And I think it yeah, makes no, so him, much sense. Like him taking corners makes a whole lot more sense than him like attacking corners. Yeah. Yeah, for he's sure. He's probably so, same with on one corner in his life, right? Right, but I mean, it's the same thing with Pablo. Like, it makes a lot more sense for him to be taking the corner than for him to be attacking it. I think. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was great, and uh, especially against Nashville, who's so dangerous on set pieces going the other way because they have Walker Zimmerman. Apparently, they're just like kind of notoriously bad at defending uh, set pieces, which is pretty funny to me. Well, I think what, Doyle, we scored two. Yeah, I think Matt Doyle mentioned that. I think right? he tweeted out the stats. Like they've only allowed like five or six goals all season, and like three or four of them were on like corner kicks or set yeah, pieces. Two, our two, our both of our goals this game were were from set pieces. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was. uh it was awesome. just got completely burned. I don't. And it was yeah. Beautiful. What was his deal? <laughs> I think he just had a terrible, terrible game. <clears throat> he had a and very bad game. He was but, really not good. Yeah, so I mean, we could just go through the game, I guess. Like other than that, I mean, quite honestly, RSL didn't threaten too much offensively, unfortunately, like most of the game except for uh we had one incredible chance at the very end of the first half. Um so about I think it was like what 20 or 30 minutes later after we score 
they have like a, a like just a perfectly placed set piece for Walker Zimmerman to score a headed goal from a from that that ball and it was like he scores that for the national team like that's like what he does and so it was a bummer but I was like okay well kind of felt that one coming and then we had a chance right before half where Tate Schmidt like we had a counterattack and Tate Schmidt was got got a pass like played across to him and he's inside he's like inside the nearly just like right outside the six and it was a bouncing ball and he bounced it in like he hit it into the ground and it shot over the goal which uh, I almost it it looked like Pablo Ruiz did it that's how that's how bad yeah how not at the goal it was but hey um he ends he ended up making up for it so yeah, second and half like eight minutes later in game time yeah, yeah. so 53rd minute or something like that yeah. um real quick we got a shout sure. out uh josh clark from the rsl show i was sitting next to him in the press box and right as um nashville was setting up uh was it a corner kick or was it a free no kick? it was a was foul it, it was a free kick we got a yellow card on it too i think that's but it right. was it was like perfectly diagonal out from the goal. Like we just where those in swingers are just like super, super dangerous. Yeah. Well, as they're setting up, Josh leans over to me and he's like, watch this. Zimmerman's going to score a goal right here. And he did. <laughs> really? Yeah. He called a hundred percent. Tough. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I could, I, it felt like it was, it might, it was maybe going to happen and yeah. it did. So yeah, yeah, that sucked, but you know, is what it is, I guess. Um, I, I th- and like for some reason, Bobby Wood was marking him. Is that right? Like you, you'd have to you you have to think you get you get Justin Glad on. I on think Zimmerman it was that somebody else was marking him, and then they oh. got screened, and Bobby Wood picked it up. I mean, yeah, they're, they're that's what I their think. their game plan is, right? Is to like screen to get him open for that type yeah. of shot. So was it Eric Holt? I think so. Yeah, I think I don't remember. Like- I remember that somebody watched it and explained like what happened and i was like oh that makes sense because it, yeah. it does not make sense for anybody to think that bobby wood is no offense to bobby wood but capable of guarding walker zimmerman on a set piece like no, it was he it should was, not be the guy right it was bad oh um no it was just bobby wood marking him <laughs> from the outset huh there, there's no screen on it like oh no okay okay well that's bad we should yeah we should not do that that's, again that's poor planning did we zonally mark on that? I'm, I'm sure just we, it right we like now. to do that. I mean, I, I don't know how you do anything else from a deep free kick. I mean, you try to play the offside line, right? Instead sort of. of what this was. That was a tough one. Yeah. But like, I mean, I, 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 I will also say like throughout that first half, Zach McMath was like made some extraordinary saves. Uh, he, he stuffed Hani Mukhtar like on like a wide open shot. Um, we got lucky with one where honey Mukhtar played like just a, like the best pass I've ever seen in behind our line and set up whoever oh, was on their team. Pass. It was, oh, was so it the one where he hit the post. Good. Yeah. The one that where yeah, they that hit was, the post, uh, dude, that pass was extraordinary. I was just like, yes. yeah, we need a, we need a honey Mukhtar type player. Yeah. So bad. But um, we keep winning games, so we don't need anything. That, that is true. We actually... It's just next next one up. Next man, next man up. <laughs> and we'll get to that very shortly. Yeah, we will get to that. Um, yeah, so uh, Zach McMath has just been playing super well. Uh, like, I, when, when, when he got scored on um, against New England, like one of those, 
uh, that went through his legs. Like I was like kind of frustrated with him. It was on snow. It was just kind of weird, but, uh, he's just been like, he's in the MLS team. He's the MLS goalkeeper of the week, I guess he's in the team of the week. So he's been, he was great. So second half, uh, there was like a set. I think we had a corner kind of got recycled out a bit, um, came back and Tate Schmidt ended up being at the end of a really nice pass from Michael Chang that Nashville just like completely didn't know how to deal with for some reason. And Tate Schmidt, our boy again, <laughs> second game winner in as many weeks with a nice goal between the legs of, uh, whoever their keeper is. And I don't care. Angry but, Joe Willis. Oh yeah. yeah. Handlebar mustache and all. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then from there it was, uh, really just like lo- locking things down. And then, um, of course there was the big, the, the controversy. I, I will say before, before we talk about the Dax McCarty thing, uh, if we want to talk about Dax McCarty thing, it deserves a mention. It deserves a mention. So, um, I thought, so Cordova came in again and like, and Brody had a lot of chances too, where I'm like, our boys need to shoot. Yeah. Like there yeah, were many, dude. there were many times where both of them were coming right at the goal and like hadn't put themselves in really good positions where you want to just see them shoot the ball. Yeah. I there mean, was one specifically that I remember Cordova. It was basically a two on one. Like it was in actuality a two on two, but it was basically a two on one and Cordova's dribbling down the right side. And then they've got a defender in between him. And I think it was Schmidt or Luffelson, somebody on the left side. Um, and I just remember like, he's either got a shoot or he's got a pass pick one and do it. And he just didn't, he started dribbling it like across yeah. the goal. And then I think he just ended up losing possession. And I was like, buddy, you can't, have that opportunity and not do one of those two things. Yeah. Like it's fine if you don't score there. Cause sometimes you don't score, but you yeah. either need to shoot or just you need to pass. The ball. Like we just yeah. weren't shooting in the second half. Like, and I was just, like, yeah. guys, just someone rip a shot like this. Well, and that was, that was the other thing that kind of frustrated me. Like I liked Cordova's contributions when he was on the field and when he was on the ball, mm-hmm. he was really good. He's really tough to take the ball. From. Oh, he's, he's the best holdup player. He's clearly the best holdup player we've had since, Maybe Sabarillo. Like, yeah. have we had a, has have we had a center forward that's been able to do that? No. I mean, you could make like an argument that Devin Sandoval that was kind of his primary trait. Yeah, I mean that that was his like his his like the best thing. thing but he I don't did. think yeah, he, he was as good. Yeah. Yeah. He was only Sabarillo a little bit. Yeah, no, it was just it was just his decision making because it seemed like near the end of the game in the la- like in stoppage time or the last three or four minutes of regulation, he would get the ball and he couldn't decide if he was going to go to the corner or if he was going to like recycle it out. And like I yeah. said, it was tough to take the ball off him, but eventually, like he would lose the ball. Yeah, and it's like you got to go to the corner, kill time. You're in the lead with like two minutes left in the game, or you've got to pass it back and recycle it or do something. You can't just sit yeah. on the ball in an offensive area. Like you're going to get double and triple teamed until you lose the ball. Yeah. And Brody's got to take some shots too. Like I, yeah. he, he got himself, he, Brody's very, very good at dribbling and he's, uh, he was traditionally a forward similarly to uh, Tate Schmidt, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is funny that on both sides of the field, we have this guy that was like definitely a forward at one point and then just became like a fullback and is now like playing whatever Pablo has them playing as. I like that. Um, but I really, really want to see these, these guys just be like shooting some shots. Like yeah. I, we can't, we're not I, this whole, we're trying to pass it into the goal. And I'm just, 
uh, or we're like, it's, it's either a pass or like we're trying to cross it and get on the end of crosses. And I'm like, we're getting ourselves into pretty decent positions, like better than I've been expecting. And I, there were so many times where I was just like screaming at them to shoot. My voice is kind of shot mainly from that. I think. Yeah. But how yeah. many, how many shots do you think we had in the whole game? I don't, we, we only had two on target, right? Both goals. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think we might've had five shots or do more than that. 10 total shots. Okay. All right. 10 shots. That's good. Two were on target, two were goals, which is really bad goalkeeping. But um, the incredible part of that is they had eight shots on target from 16, which is a way better conversion rate than we ever had. Yeah, that's really high. And I mean, McMath had seven saves. He only allowed one goal. He had a a fantastic game. That's incredible stuff. And he, he made some like heroic saves that like, yeah, I mean career saves, right? Yes, that first one on Hani Mukhtar where he's going, he's diving the wrong way, and he gets his arm back across his body to like block Mukhtar's shot was crazy. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that was so awesome. And then he had one towards the end where Mukhtar had like a low shot toward the corner, um, definitely second half because he was on the other end of the field, and he got down low super quick. I mean. Okay, so this maybe we quick. Well, okay, let's talk about Dax McCarty real quick, and let's talk about Zach McMath after. Uh, before we get there, okay, how many shots do you think RSL took from the fifty-fifth minute forward after we scored our goal? Wait, hold on, fifty-fifth minute forward, meaning towards the end of the game. Yeah, the last thirty-five minutes of the game. Oh man, is it? Oh, hold on, is it oh. fewer, fewer, than, <laughs> fewer than five? Oh wait, wait, fewer. yes, fewer is it zero? <laughs> it is zero. Really. We had zero shots after we took the lead. What are we doing, guys? Like, we literally, we had we had Cordova and Brody in so many good positions. Like, how did we not get a single shot there? I yeah. honestly don't understand. Yeah, that was, that was like I said, that was the thing that was frustrating me about okay, Cordova that, was because he could, he was in positions where yeah. you've got to take a shot. Okay, and if so, you're not going to take a shot, you've got to take it to the corner or you've got yeah, to recycle it or something. Okay, like, okay, so when we talk about Pablo's post-game speech... Uh, <laughs> I guess, okay, it's not just who uh, desire or intensity. Like, you also literally have to kick the ball at the goal also. Yeah. Like, we should, I think that's an important note that I have about that. Yeah. Is that the ball needs to leave someone's foot at the goal uh, when you've got the chances to do that. Because I want to see us bury that team, especially in, like, they've got really good players. Like, one... And they had a couple chances. Like, they had set pieces in the second half where if, uh, you know... um if uh, uh, Walker Zimmerman gets more of like a contact on a ball, like we're tied. Like I want to see, we got to be getting more shots. Of course, I'm very stoked that we won. And I think we're playing well. I'm just like, we, we have the chance to, to be winning by more and we should be doing that if we get it. So to that point, we had zero shots from the 55th minute on. How many do you think Nashville had? That should be answer. I just looked five. Eight. Eight. Oh, that's see, that's a lot, dude. That like five of those eight were on target. Yeah. One of that's crazy. Yeah. That that's and that's there was some great goalkeeping from McMath. So thank you, Zach. Yeah, but, that's yeah. that's the kind of thing that like it, I know Pablo hates this kind of thing, but that's not sustainable. I know. Like, I know. You can't go every single game <laughs> with an XG of one against an XG of two and a half. Yeah. And come out two to one. Like I know. human spirit's great, but also so are goals and so are shots on goals. And so yeah. are like, you know, so it's like not literally... having a goalkeeper stand on their head. Yeah. 
No, for sure. I completely agree. Uh, we we gotta we gotta score some we gotta score some more goals from the run of play, please. I need it. Um, yeah. So overall, uh, very good. But okay. So then toward the end of the game, uh, Zach McMath or not Zach McMath, Dax McCarty. That's like a very similar name in my brain for whatever reason. Yeah, it kind of is. Zach McCarty. Uh, so Bodie Davis gets his like first appearance for RSL. Ever. Um, ever. Uh, over Johnny Menendez, I must say, which is just interesting again. Yeah. Um, just is what it is, I guess. That's just what's happening. It's it's um, obvious now, right? It's... I mean... Is it... it it's obvious. No, it's it's obvious, but the, there's something to be said for like a club who's part of their culture is like bringing up players and like no, giving, I, I think it's players great. opportunity. Like Bodie was probably going to see minutes this year, and that like sure, like that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's really troublesome when you're giving that kid minutes like in the middle of not giving Johnny Menendez minutes. Yeah, it's. It's just, it's interesting for sure. I mean, I think, I I, don't, I thought Bodie Davis did well, yeah. I will oh, yeah. say. Like, yeah. I thought, like, I thought he came on. Against, he's against him, right? Yeah, and he's like a, he's like a strong, like, play. Like, he, in my mind, he's still like a child. But, and yeah. I, like, he looked, he looked like he belonged out there just as much as Tate Schmidt does, just as much as Andrew Brody does, just as much as, like, Chang, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. All those guys, like, I mean, yeah, it was good. But, um, yeah, so uh, Bodie Davis gets the ball in the corner. Dax McCarty and like we're we're killing we're in killing time hours now. It, we they added five minutes of stoppage for some reason, which was kind of baffling. Well, there was um, a couple injuries that we kind of skipped over and didn't talk but, about that we probably should. Uh, okay, Justin Glad got injured, which sucks. Oh, Aaron yeah. Herrera came in for him uh, to play right center wing back. Uh, yeah, he was playing in a like a literally like out far on the wing. I know. In a yeah, right no, back it's position. a problem. We're bad. That that if that becomes our starting lineup next week, that's a problem. I think it yeah. was that thing that we got burned on a thousand times last year. Mm-hmm. Herrera playing quote unquote center back, center back but no. really he's a midfielder. It can't be that. We will literally get we will get murdered like that because if he plays the the Brody role, that's that's better. And I know Aaron felt less comfortable, but like. Wait, wait, what is this, Matt? All right, I just posted in Slack. Uh, those are Aaron Herrera's uh, passes, the, the oh. origin. Uh, and that's those. That's a right back. That's a right back. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the crazy it's, thing it's about this is that we have Eric Holt sitting, like, not tucked, you know, swung over, so he's kind of on the right side a little bit. He's dead center. And then Kaplhoff is, you know, to the left of him where just, you know, where Eric Holt yeah. was on the right, like mirroring him. Um, and we, it's just this tremendous amount of space and it's very strange. And <sighs> I'm, I'm worried. I mean, Aaron's a yeah. right back. Like there's no other, yeah. like we, we cannot, but he's also got to be instructed this way. Right. That is true. It, it, but in a, in a three, four, which we, he, he said he was explicitly told last year that he was instructed to do that in yeah. that position. We're yeah. playing a right wing center back, which I, I've really liked the three four three a lot more, just simply because it's providing us a lot more defensive structure that we did not have last year in the five whatever we were playing. Yeah, uh, where Chang was our left back or whatever, uh, or Joni was our right back. Like that, 
that wasn't working. And this is working a lot better because Brody and Schmidt both have really good defensive work rates. So yeah. um, it's it's working a lot better. But that can quickly disappear if Aaron's just like playing wing back also. Like I'm just, I'm not, we can't have yeah. three wingers on the right side. Like it, that, it I don't really know. It was really weird watching Aaron basically just walk over Brody. Like he, almost every time he got the ball, he went forward and Brody went forward with them. But they were like, together doing the same run at because yeah Herrera was playing Brody's position like you just take Brody off the field if that's what you're gonna do like yeah exactly it, yeah and when they were in the defensive phase just, like Herrera to came a back and played, two for real like exactly though yeah they were definitely playing a five-man back line they did not switch to a 4-4-2 it wasn't that Herrera was definitely part of the back three he just wasn't a part of the back three yeah, no, for like, sure. And it and it was it scared me that toward the end there for sure. Yeah. So but anyway, Bodie Davis comes in, he gets the ball in the far corner. Um, and uh Dax McCarty runs in, captain of Nashville, uh MLS veteran guy, puts a puts an elbow to the back of Bodie's back. He gracefully falls over and kind of like on top of the ball. And I didn't see how bad it was from like I I I was in the South end. So I had a really good view of it. I just didn't like in real time, I guess I just didn't really see like what it was, but Dax did this like weird back heel thing to try to get the ball out from underneath of, uh, of Bodie and ended up just like essentially just back heel kicking Bodie Davis in like the gut, <laughs> which yeah. Yeah. Like really, yeah, like really painful. Um, and not good, a bad thing to do. And then he gets a red card, very deserved. And yeah. uh, Andy Munoz had a really good video of what happened, and he had like the best angle on it. And I, I, even from where I was sitting, like I said, I couldn't really see how bad it was. But yeah, it was pretty pretty bad. And uh, red card. Um, we weirdly got some information from Dax's. Well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be saying this if she didn't put it out publicly after. But Dax McCarty's wife. Um, DM'd uh, a friend and told her like there's just been some insane stuff going on in their personal life with someone like stalking their house and all this weird stuff and like Dax was apparently just having like a really rough time and all this and I and again I wouldn't be mentioning this if she didn't literally ended up just tweeting out exactly what happened and she did this because Dax ended up putting out an apology um, video about like what had happened which like there were some that were taking issue with like the idea of players apologizing for stuff that happened on the field. And if it's just like a normal red card or if there's just like normal, like fouls that lead to red cards or whatever, a bad tackle, I don't think it's a big deal. There is like at some point, like where there's like a non soccer play where you were like actually really endangering someone. And I think that probably crossed to that line. So I think it's, I think it's totally, I think it's kind of cool that he apologized like publicly and was like, I mean, like, look, I didn't, I, I didn't mean like malice or anything. And I like messed up. I was, I thought I was doing this. This is what actually happened. That's totally fine. I think that's cool. Um, yeah, he, he really did like a good job of owning it and just being like, like giving his side of the story, but not like as like an excuse, yeah. just like, this is what was going through my mind. So hopefully you understand, like just basically provided context and yeah, it, it, there's players like Dax McCarty who obviously have been in the league for ever yeah and like are not that kind of player and for him to do that like you can tell that 
it's coming from him. It's not like an agent or like a team social member that's like, hey, you know, it would be good for your brand or good for engagement totally. or good for the team if you release some kind of apology video. And like there's that happens. And like, yeah, I feel like they're kind of transparent and see through and you can kind of tell that it's rehearsed or, you know, for sure. kind of forced. And it, Dax's didn't have that vibe to me at all. At it all, felt yeah. very genuine. And it comes from a guy who is very genuine and very honest yeah, and open and, about his whole career. So and, and notably gone like four hundred something games without a red card and then has gotten gotten two in the last twelve days or whatever. Like he's an MLS uh longtime guy. Or two in the last twelve games, sorry. Um not twelve yeah. days. Um and uh yeah, so like when it when that like he, kind of things happen, it's like just kinda is what yeah, it is but yeah he's, he's got gonna a very be, long leash on that kind of thing so yeah and he actually might not play i don't know how close he is to retiring i was gonna say he's probably i don't know when the next time he's gonna play in front of like rsl fans just with how how rarely we play eastern conference teams it seems they're, they're western yeah. conference now though oh, wait are they really yeah oh they moved because of charlotte yeah Oh, yeah, never right. mind. I forgot they're coming back. I was gonna say, like, I don't know when the next time an Eastern Conference team. Okay, never mind. No, but they do. I think they come back in April or May. I'm not looking at the schedule. I'm just That's remembering. Soon, that huh? I think Trey tweeted it. they're coming back in a I'll month look. or two. Interesting. Well, anyway, well, Dax is to answer the retirement food. question. He's gonna Dax, get food. <laughs> he is, and that's just what that's just part of it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's fine. Um, I don't know anyway. how close to retirement he is. He's 34 years old, and I feel like he's probably got a couple more years. So yeah. I'm sure we'll see him multiple times. So, okay, so we play in Nashville on May 8th. Okay. Um, a 3 p.m. game. I'm sure it's lovely in May in Tennessee. Mm, a little hot, probably. Yeah, probably. 3 p.m. here in May is kind of hot, too. But yeah, sometimes, yes, I guess. Um, nice. All right. Well, I wanted to get back to Zach McMath. Kyle. That's true. It's very humid there. Yeah. I was going to say, I want to get back to Zach McMath because, um, well, not only because he hit the incredible milestone that is 450 saves. Is that, is that, is that an admission that we're not expecting him to get to 50 saves? 500. Or yeah, sorry. 500. Not, I I meant another 50 saves. Oh, another 50. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Are we expecting him to not get to, well, I don't know. Like, it's interesting that we honored him at 450 saves. I mean, eight more games of this and, uh, he could probably hit. 500 saves. That, that's what I'm saying. If he like, he had seven yeah, I was, I was say, that game. <laughs> give him, give him 10 or 12 games. And I'm sure he's going to hit 500. Okay. So Wait, say I, you're Zach I McMath. Think it, I think this is an important question. Um, sure. If you're Zach McMath, what do you do with the 450 Jersey? If you get a 500 one. Burn it probably. Okay. Really says toxins in the air, especially. Okay. I feel like this, you do the same thing. Every player does with all of that stuff. They just put it in a box and put it in the attic. Like it's probably already in storage. The 450 jersey. Charity. Donate to charity. Yeah. Okay. Sell on eBay when you retire. Like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. So he's been he's been great, and I I am gonna say something that I am worried about a little Let's bit. Let's go. I'm I'm not sure Ochoa makes a lot of the saves that we've seen uh, Zach McMath make this year. I've I been. Think, I don't there, think Zach McMath makes those saves. Well, yeah. that, well that too. <laughs> yeah. I have just been at times disappointed with certain aspects of David Achilla's uh, shot stopping, shot stopping ability, and Zach McMath has been playing out of his mind. So, and maybe that's just like 
I don't, I don't know what to think of it really just because it's like, he is having like a career year at yeah. the, whatever age he's yeah. at. He's a player who's been it's like 50, right? Yeah. So I was talking with Mark, Mark's 52? a Philadelphia union fan and uh, he, Zach McMath was famously at the Philadelphia and was replaced by uh, a DP goalkeeper. Rice and, and Bully. Rice and Bully, yeah. And then who went to. sucked a lot of crap. Yeah, who was really bad. Time. And then he went to Colorado and then was replaced by another DP goalkeeper in uh, Tim Howard. Tim Howard. He's had a weird career. And Mark and I were talking like that was just like easily the best we've ever seen like this, this season in particular, but that game, like he, some of the saves he was making are just like, I have not seen him make those before. And so it was just, it was great to watch, but I'm just like, there's the question is, is he the starting keeper, even if it is healthy? And right now I think the answer is probably yes. Yeah. I mean, you've got to challenge Ochoa, right? Um, yeah. Obviously we have no clarity on the length of his absence. Uh, so it could be that it's another 10, it could be 20 games. We don't know. Right. There's, uh, there's, there's rumors. Do we, do we want to hear some rumors? Yeah. Let's yes. hear some rumors. Um, the rumors basically, and this is all completely hearsay. Um, I love rumors hearsay. are basically that Ochoa is not being a great professional. What? Put it that way. No, like, I can't believe just, that. He's just being 20 years old. Like we mentioned, I think last week or two weeks ago, he was on Instagram. Like he traveled to Oxnard to get a tattoo. Um, like he's not, a, again, totally hearsay, but he's not fully committed to rehabbing his injury. Um, he's kind of being a jerk off the field, just doing like diva kind of stuff. So it's to me, if that's the case, then like, I feel like you have to put Ochoa back in the starting position as a way to like, get him off the team to, to get him in the shop window so you can trade him or sell him sooner rather than later. Mm. but i I also don't know if you like reward that behavior with that kind of thing you know what i mean i also don't know if he needs like if you get if if that would even do the trick i mean like he's in like the l tree system right like he's and that builds in some like inherent value for him at least in like liga mx uh so like i I think you've got to have at least one game to show that he's not injured anymore that he's still a person yeah he's still alive he's not just a hologram he might be a hologram but yeah, I'm a pro hologram, right? So, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He's I, he's weird. <laughs> yeah, my take on it, like rumors aside, like if you have a young, up and coming twenty year old goalkeeper that is, like you said, in the Mexican national team system, um, and is on either on a contract year or on an option year for his contract, like if you've got two other young goalkeepers coming up behind him you got to play that kid. you got to develop that kid somehow. Yeah. You've got to get him games. If to either make him your starting like face of the club goalkeeper for the next 10 years yeah, or to sell him and move him on so that you can start developing the next two guys in line. Yeah, for sure. Like you've got to make moves at the goalkeeper position and it's either going to be, you've got two young guys behind him that you're going to put more money into developing them yeah. and just let Ochoa walk or like, you know, something's got to be done with Ochoa. And I think you just have to play him in order to do something with Ochoa. Maybe. Yeah. One thing that comes to mind is uh, we had another goalkeeper who there were always rumors about drama and behavior. 
and you know bad in the locker room uh and his name someday will be on our you know on our stadium walls yeah yeah uh, so i don't know goalkeepers are weird every goalkeeper is weird this is yeah. true i think the consensus around zach mcmath is though like he's not weird he no he's, he's a leader just, in the locker room for sure and that people yeah. like him like i remember that being a thing with like uh to the in like 2020 like that was like a big thing right yeah well i was gonna say that he's like as far as backup goalkeepers in mls go he's probably the best yeah yeah I, okay. he's one of the one of the backup goalkeepers in mls who has several years starting experience in mls has i mean mm-hmm. 450 saves in mls yeah if he's not the top one he's top three or four like backup goalkeepers like yeah he's good we're lucky to have a backup goalkeeper as good as zach mcmath yeah and it, it's worth noting that in 2020 his career looked basically done right yeah uh in the mls's back tournament he was incredibly bad, bad. yeah uh and, yeah and it really soured my opinion of him but uh he's turned that completely around yep yeah, it's been great um yeah so uh, good thing we don't know when Ochoa is going to be back or any of the other or injured have, guys. Should we, should we talk clues? injuries and Pablo Mastroini's co- quote here? Well, well, first, uh, Johnny Menendez, I think oh, we briefly yeah. briefly mentioned. It seems to be at uh, he must not have the intensity in practice or whatever. And, you know, like Matt pointed this out and I saw it in the stadium at the same time. And I thought it was like hilarious where there was like a a game like a poll that was put on the screen that was like who, who, which player which sub are you expecting to have like the biggest impact in this game and like i i can't remember who all was listed but uh Gianni menendez was not listed and um chris garcia was and chris garcia has has he played he might have made one senior like 12 appearance minutes for rsl like in his life yeah, it was like it was like three years ago. So that wasn't a good sign. And then the fact that he didn't I mean, he's below on, on the depth chart. He is below Lawfelsund and apparently Bodie Davis at this point. And maybe there's some there was I mean, based on that pre that post game thing for Pablo, it does not sound like tactics play into a lot of what he's saying. Or like, or like what he's doing a thing that happens that somebody else is thinking about because it doesn't sound like he's thinking about it at all yeah Pablo is very not tactical uh from his basically what he's saying which is yeah he's basically a man manager man motivator at this point he doesn't i refuse to believe that he considers tactics at all yeah <laughs> so, so he, let's read the quote yeah please <laughs> all right so he he said in uh, his post game on Saturday, uh, that he feels more like a referee than a quote, or than a quote, uh, than, than a, a coach. coach. In and practice. Then said, Every week I'm trying to break things up. It's really about intensity. And then we can go on here if you'd like. Yeah. So the only explanation I can, I can think of as to why Joni Menendez, who were, you know, paying pretty good money to be on this team, who we brought in from, you know, uh, another country a to play on this team. team. In Argentina. Uh, is the only reason, the only thing I can guess as to why he's not making the team. And Trey explicitly told us not to forget about Joni Menendez. Um, he said that to Lucas, and Lucas said, I'm not the one who's forgetting about Joni Menendez. It, like, it's, there's clearly, like, I, I, if it's the intensity or for other reasons, uh, Joni Menendez is below both Jasper Loffelsund, who by all accounts was not an RSL player until like two weeks ago. 
Yeah, two um, days. Um, two days. The day of the first the, opener. Literally, it was, the day, of. Oh, it was announced. It was the day of the day of our home opener. Oh. Uh, and now Bodie Davis, who I don't know how old he is now. Twenty years old. He's twenty. Okay, so has he's not, young. Yeah, he's still young. He's not like a Michael Chang situation. Who is? Who's, that was his first MLS appearance, and that was like a that was a pretty big game. Like, uh, and I don't. He didn't. You know, again. Didn't really focus on any tactical decision that he was uh, really emphasizing in that game to bring Bodie on instead of a Joni Menendez potentially. But I uh, can only imagine it's the intensity that he hammered home as being like the most important thing. As in, in as much that he's having to break things up in practice, which is concerning. It's the second time in in a week that he's mentioned that too. Yeah. So he mentioned this on the was it on the drive the other day? Uh, it was either on the drive or with Bill Riley. I think it was with Bill Riley. Yeah. It was on the radio. It was on the radio. Yeah. He Which we don't believe is real, but it it supposedly exists. And he mentioned having to like break stuff up at practice and like the, talk about this intensity. And then he went on to continue or he continued and he talked about how uh, it sounded. Did, did he imply that Sergio was raising health, his own health concerns? Yeah. So here's the quote. I told Sergio, it doesn't matter if your leg falls off here. We'll find someone next week. Just keep going. Don't you stop. I live for the moment. I live for the day. I live for the game. <laughs> Dude, that is so insane. So this this uh, this quote is receiving heavy praise. And okay, I have to dis- I have I have to have some disclaimers. I am very happy with how RSL is playing, and they do yeah. play like a team that's very intense and that believes in like each other, and they're winning games, which is obviously. In- the most important thing and they're also just like seem like they're having a great time on the field doing it and i'm i i think pablo deserves a lot of credit for what's taking what for for these wins because especially starting with that one against the revolution like uh like that's not a team like that that that, sh- that could have easily been a team that gives up on itself i will say though uh i don't i'm not extremely comforted by pablo mastrani saying that kind of thing when we have rubio rubin Demir Krylock, David Ochoa, very recently been Aaron Herrera, uh, have been dealing with pretty serious injuries from what it sounds like. Like Demir, this is like the longest stretch Demir has been missing and doesn't, seems to have been rushed back to play against Houston and it may not have gone well. So was he just like, did his leg fall off and now it's the next man up? Like, is that what's happening? Next man up. I don't love that, guys. Yeah. And, you know, even if he's not actually running practice this way and he's got some bravado that he's trying to get across in sure. the post game, uh, which I, I don't think is the case. I think he's genuine. And I, if nothing yeah. else, Pablo Mastroeni has been genuine in in interactions, right? Yeah. Um, but yet, ugh, no, I'm I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> The thing, the only thing I can take like solace in is, or that I do take solace in, I should say, is I read uh, in the Athletic today. Um, they put out like a expose is a fancy word, but they talked about Urban Meyer as his time coaching the Jaguars and how it was like this super toxic thing, and he was doing all these horrible things as a coach. Like he was pushing sure. players beyond what they should be doing. Um, put forcing them to do like full contact practices, like super early in preseason and just being a bad coach and yeah. just, just being like a win at all costs guy. And it, it 
was just a mess basically. And I don't want to say that Pablo is anything like Urban Meyer. That's not what I'm saying. But if you're the kind of coach that is running practices that are very intense, that can lead to like a toxic environment for players. Yeah. And that's what we're concerned about. And I trust a lot of the people in the front office who wouldn't be as on board with Pablo if that's the vibe. Agreed. Yeah. That's that's what I have to keep trusting. There's a lot of like pro Pablo. um, I don't want to say propaganda, but people are like very obviously supportive publicly for Pablo. And if he is running like a bad environment where players are injuring themselves constantly in training, I, I don't think there would be, the or same play, people or players play. are like fighting yeah, <laughs> in yeah. training. He did say that like, so be, he said here that he is having to break things up. Uh, but he also said in, you know, last week that uh, players were, uh, that he was basically saying players need to remember that you're not going out trying to injure somebody. Yeah. Which is, is concerning, but yeah, I, I they're, they're I gotta feel like it's here. it's a very healthy competitive environment where players just want to. I hope so. Yeah, be competitive, and they're just going a little bit more full bore in practice than they would normally. Yeah, and if it's competitive and it's healthy competitive, I think that's great. If it's competitive and it's like we're injuring players constantly, like dial it back a little bit, dude. Like that yeah. quote. Yeah, that, that quote can't be is a good thing. If people are getting injured in in practices 100 percent, and th- that quote is just like kind of weirdly timed when we are famously without like some of our best players <laughs> yeah like so much that like that's like a i mean and to our like and for good reason that we are doing this without like some of our best players yeah. like i think that's that's i think that's it, it does speak to the credit or it, like it does speak to the, like the um like the co- cohesiveness and like what's been taking place like i fact that we have those guys injuries and we're still winning is great but like i don't i don't like that type of talk when we are waiting for a demir Kralik to get back or a rubio rubin who scored i mean a good amount of goals for us last year yeah and um we appeared to be kind of kind of struggling from the run of play to score yes against nashville um oh we did we didn't we didn't score from the run of play. Well, yeah, right? I, I meant like we were struggling. Like we we could have scored one from the run of play, one, maybe. Yeah, um, which was a good play. I but yeah, we didn't. We aren't scoring from the run of play. Uh, at least in those game in that game, yeah, and um, we're not really creating chances. I mean, we had two shots on goal. Yeah, I don't think and, Joe Willis is a terrible goalkeeper, but he was bad that game, and that's the only reason we scored when we did. Yeah, and like it was, a, I mean, great pass from Chang. Like the goals were, the goals were good. Uh, Bobby Wood was clinical on his header. So like that stuff that you want to see. I also would like to see, like, I mean, kind of the things you're harping on in preseason was like those patterns of play that are established that we can. Well, I mean, if Pablo's taking this approach of like next man up, if that's really what the approach is, then you would like to see like a pattern of play established from the run of play in which a next man up could really move into that style of play and be the next man up in case that needs to happen. And it can't just be a series of 50, 50 battles all over the field. And that's what ends up making the difference. Um, I don't like, that's not, that's not scalable, I guess. And it's not, you can't rely on that 
Yeah, well, and, and we can't rely on Tate Schmidt to score 15 goals this season. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, like, okay. While you, were ta- while you were talking about Tamir and Rubin, I was doing the math in my head. That's 20 goals from last year that we're missing just from those two, right? Yeah. And then if you add Albert, it's 21, 22, or 31, That's 32. 31. Yeah. He had 11 and 11 or whatever. Well, yeah. We're and not like, so 30 far, goals from Tate Schmidt. We're not going to get 15 six, goals from Tate we've Schmidt. Scored, like, we've scored six goals. Three, uh, right. Three against New England, one against Seattle, two against Nashville. Yeah, three yeah. of them have been from defenders, and that's like it's good to see, right? You want to look at when RSL was at its best, we, we were getting goals from like different players all over the field. Kyle yeah. Beckerman was good for four or five, Grabavoy was good for four. Like, you like that was a thing that we could just like you know, it's it's spread amongst, and and I like to see that kind of thing happen but i'm like again we played a very defined style of play back then yeah. i don't i don't see a super defined style of play right now so like one of our things on here is uh when can we really start assessing this team um i mean i i've been, i i think we can make assessments certain kinds of assessments i would still like to see I mean, I, I of course want to see more goals from the run of play, um, but it's just like it, it is tough. I, I know I'm so stoked with like our our early success for sure. It is, yeah. however, extremely early. And as Trevor mentioned earlier, like teams like Seattle, teams like New York City FC can afford to lose. They can afford to get like just a handful of points out of their first seven games or whatever, so they can focus on Champions League. Like that's yeah. just a thing that MLS affords you. And on the flip side of that, uh. If we don't like, you know, keep things going and I'm not saying we won't, I'm just like, I'm thinking about how we ended last season and it was horrendous in so much that like we, by all accounts, should have missed the playoffs. And um, because of how monumental our collapse was, we were giving up six goals to teams that were actively trying to lose. Like it was so bad. And so I'm like, I'm not fearful i'm just conscious of like what can happen at the end of the season when you lose focus when you aren't uh in my opinion tactically set up set up to have your players succeed so yeah we want um, to see reasons that are repeatable right yeah and we can explain each of our you know we can explain our goals we can understand our goals and we can see the good things from it for sure we can also see that this hasn't been repeatable yeah like situations maybe tate schmidt's just gonna score every game maybe that's gonna happen i don't think so but like if he gets 10 goals i will i don't know what if i'll do something outlandish i'll give like 500 to some cool charity of his choice how's that 100 yeah i'll make it 250 if he scores five yeah like 50 per goal 50 per goal let's just do that i'm doing it I love that. Yeah. Let's just start donating money for Tate Schmidt goals. I love that. No, that's totally, I love that idea. That's great. And, and I, yeah, I, there would be nothing that would make me more happy than Tate Schmidt scoring a freaking dime piece of goals this year. I just yeah. don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of still skeptical because I have not, we've not seen this from him until these last two games. Like, and it's just, we we still haven't seen Demir. Like, what happens when Demir comes back? What like what? How does Rubio Rubin fit into the system? Does he replace uh, Chang or Miram and play alongside Bobby? Does he replace Bobby? Does he just sub in for Bobby? Uh, does Demir play in the midfield? Does Demir play where Bobby's playing? And then we have Bobby and uh, Rubin to his left and right. Like, I have no idea. And I think those are important questions, especially when we think about the first game of the season against Houston, where I think. 
it was a, an incredible example of how we didn't have any uh, patterns of play established and we looked just dreadful and the game was one of the worst games I've ever watched in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> we well, let's, so let's do this. Um, so Trey, our favorite person ever, uh, <laughs> who love, we, we do love Trey. We had, no, we genuinely do, but Trey does this thing that is fun and it makes a lot of sense because of his job at the club, but he tends to like lean into or build narratives where there may not necessarily be a narrative. Um, at the beginning of the season, you know, there's a lot of people writing a preseason reviews and they put RSL comfortably at the bottom, pretty much everybody. And Trey loves to catch that stuff and talk about how, you know, now that we're four games into the season, we're the best team. Like he loves to bring that stuff up. And he did earlier today, um, with, uh, Phil West, who at the beginning of the season put us at 13th. And then wrote something about how we're doing really well now, which is great. Yeah. And yeah, to Phil's credit, like admitted that like maybe I was wrong. But again, yeah. we're four games into this season. Yeah. But Trey is very happy to be like, see, I told you. But then, and this again, Trey isn't wrong here, but the very, not the very next tweet, but the one after that said, um, basically setting up a narrative to like protect against the next four to five games. And he's making good points because in the next five weeks, four of our five games are on the road. We've got KC, Colorado, and Portland coming up. Uh, Toronto is our home game, and we're also playing NYCFC. Yeah, that's a, we have an extremely tough start of the season. <laughs> yeah, so I think if you're asking the question, like, when can we start assessing the team, like, for real? I think over the next five games, we'll really start telling the tale of, of this team. We should ideally see Demir back. We should be seeing more of Herrera. Hopefully Rubin gets healthy in that time as well. So I think that's kind of the next like stretch of games that we look at. We've had the first four games of the season and that's kind of one block of games you can look at and say, we did phenomenally well. We, we punched above our weight. And I think over the next five games, that'll be another like kind of telltale. Like we can look back at the end of those five games and kind of evaluate those five games as its own little stretch. Sure. And that will tell us a lot more about where this team actually stands. Yeah. But then if Demir and Ruby Rubin aren't back for those five games, then it's like, do we have to wait for them to come back and then get integrated in the squad? There's a lot. (laughs) There's like, I mean, at that point, we're not quite a third of the way through the season. I mean, after the next five games, that's nine games into a 34 game season. We're yeah. 25% of the way through the season. That's the first quarter at least. Yeah. Almost the first third. So. Yeah, it's a good it's a great point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have no idea. So I've been like pretty roundly skeptical. I guess is probably the best word that we'll be able to continue this. But it is. Uh, I I ran some numbers, and it is the best uh, four game start for RSL in our in from twenty twelve forward, where I've got easy access to those numbers. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple seasons under Jeff Kassar of all people. Uh, where we had two draws and two wins, uh, but it's our first three draw or three wins, one draw since, uh, I mean, at least 2012 or 2011, but, uh, I don't know that it happened in 2011. I just haven't looked at it. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's been good and it's been great. Yeah. I'm just and terrified as a, you know, yeah. As a fan, I'm having like a ton of fun at the games. Like it was a, I had a blast bringing like friends to that game because they're like, wow, like this is 
sick. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is a party. This is fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, definitely for that aspect, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. And like, um, Oh, like we okay. are. So 20, 2011, uh, we won our four, first four games. Wow. Yeah. Forgot, I'd forgotten. Yeah. So there's like a lot to be, there's certainly a lot to be happy about. It, I'm just, I'm still, still nervous, of course, but. Yeah. I, I mean, I've said it a couple of times. I, I look at the last couple of games and like, it's been great and we've been good, but I don't see anything that's like sustainable. <laughs> I, I mean, Tate Schmidt yeah. is not going to be scoring goals every single game. Happy to be wrong when he does. Like if I said, he does, if, if he drops 10 goals this season, I'm totally on board with that. But relying on Tate Schmidt for goals and relying on like, did wait, did Bobby Wood have a shot other games, than, like, did Bobby Wood have a shot other than his header? I don't think so. Let's double check. There's like stuff like that. Like I like Bobby Wood has been a revelation and like he was terrible last year. He I wasn't great. He was one great playoff goal, right? Yeah, he had an amazing playoff goal. But yeah, like that's that's kind of like what I'm concerned about. It's like I didn't like I didn't feel like some of my friends that were with me were like we get like uh who like soccer, don't go to a lot of RSL games were like why is Bobby Wood not getting involved? Like, are we not, why are we not getting Bobby Wood involved in our play? Like, why are we, not, why are our forwards not involved? And I was like, that's it's a great question. Play. That's a great question, friend, who this is your first RSL game in like a year and a half. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a great question. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why that's, that's happening. But yeah, it, uh, it worries me. I really hope that. I don't know. The the three four three is great because I, I like having the two wingers next to our 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 center forward or whatever, our striker. But yeah, I worry about, you know, getting getting them in, in, involved as much as I feel like we need to. Like we just need to be shooting the ball. Like let's just take yeah. let's just take some freaking shots, guys. Yeah. I was uh again, I was sitting next to Josh, I think, for the first half of the game and we were talking about how good this formation has been going. And we mentioned that Eric Holt of all people yeah. has been a revelation and oh. he's very, very good now. Yeah. But Eric Holt, one of these days is going to have a bad game. Uh, Scott Caldwell, one of these days is going to have a bad game. <laughs> and <laughs> if one of those players has a bad game, like all of a sudden we're losing three, nothing, you know what yeah, I mean? I, and, I, I did keep forgetting that Scott Caldwell is a real player that plays for real. So like, yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's hilarious that we just have this guy named Scott Caldwell who plays like a kind of a thankless midfield position. Um, well, he's been, he's been incredible so far. He's been, he's been good. Yeah. But I, he's, but, yeah, I, I, again, I don't think he's going to play as good as he is every single game. And I will say that, uh, also, uh, Koppelhoff looked looked really good. So yeah. it's like kind of yeah. um we I can't I think we talked about uh we did talk about it cuz Cheeky heard from Marcelo Silva last week that Oh yeah. um that Marcelo said that he was having like some issues with like was he having like like toe problems or it's, something like I I overheard something in the press box. Um yeah, it's an issue with his toe. He I I don't think stubbing it is not the right word, but he yeah, like had like some bleeding cycle. underneath the fingernail. Yeah. And oh, yeah. so it's just a silly little thing, but it's an incredibly yeah. painful thing. Yeah, yeah, no, those things suck. And like playing soccer <laughs> makes it way worse and you just get stuck yeah. in a cycle. So yeah, he didn't play. Kapelhoff came up in his, in his spot. Um, but that's a great, like, it's a great thing that we made that signing. I think he's like, he's obviously like a very good 
like MLS center very back. Very capable, sure. very experienced MLS yeah. center back. A great center back signing. Yeah, that was awesome. So it was great to see one. him. Yeah, great to see him move in and just be like supernatural and like didn't look out of place at all. And yeah. like like Trevor said, Eric Holt's been been good too. I'm. It, it's just like sustain sustainability i guess yeah and and it's worth noting i think like eric holt has been put in a position where he has less responsibility directly right yes and yes it makes such a difference for a like he's not a young player anymore and right we call a lot of players young who aren't young i reflect on (laughs) justin portillo who people thought was young but was like 32 anyway uh so chang as well yeah chang is 30 (laughs) chang's probably the best example of like he's got a youthful like Vibrance about exuberance. him. Exuberance. For sure. Yeah, youthful exuberance. Chang's great. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, but like Holt playing at right center back made a lot more sense. Like if he was caught out, he had a player centrally who was a better better defender. Like he it's been good. Uh, but now we won't see that because Justin Glad is probably out for I don't know what, six weeks? What's oh, what's my. your guess? Wait, do do we know what the injury is? All all no. I know is that he uh he was on the ground. Uh, he was talking to a fellow player. He made like the hand breaking sign, like talking about, I think his hamstring. Um, so like yeah, he, two hands breaking something like a stick or a hamstring. The <sighs> The broadcast was pretty good about getting a good shot of him um, that they replayed yeah. like after he went down. Brilliant. Shot. And he very clear, like, I'm okay at reading lips, but he very clearly said my effing hamstring as he was grabbing his hamstring. And then, yeah, like Matt said, he was signaling to uh, somebody else on the field that he did like the breaking motion, which makes it sound like he tore something or something got pulled or something like that. We have not heard it. It did not look good at all. And he just immediately got Uh, up. They uh, immediately subbed him. Like everybody knew immediately that he was done. Yeah, it's a concern. He was walking around at the end of the game, though. um, And it, wasn't aided didn't look like he was limping obviously that's very different from running uh but yeah that's like there's some of those leg muscle injuries like especially like mainly in your knee i guess where you can be kind of fine but have like a torn muscle and then when you try to do certain like the ac like an acl tear for instance i don't know it probably wasn't as serious as that but it's like you can be you can just kind of like walk around still wow but it's weird but anyway, yeah. uh, hopefully it's not something serious because that would suck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, I'm, and I'm, that's the sort of injury that can derail things, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Because he's been he's so good. Yeah, yeah. That's so, one that like I'm that. I'm not expecting him to be back anytime soon. For uh, I mean, this whole five game stretch that we're talking about, I don't expect him to play at all. Just based Ooh, off his reaction, I would. I don't think uh, we're going to get any more concrete information from the club because they're not great at giving us any information about injuries, but I would like to did not look good. That, that, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Maybe we can find out or ask around and then maybe do a soapbox stand up for, or, and we can have soapbox stand up or do a breakfast episode where we can yeah. talk about it. But um, yeah, that's I'm, I, for, I kind of for, keep forgetting that that happened. Cause it was just kind of like, quick but yeah it was non-contact right yeah yeah he had the ball i think he passed the ball took a couple of steps and then just like sat down yeah it did not come after a a long run or a a quick burst or anything like that like we're going like a little long today i just noticed yeah Yeah, that's okay Um, where we play skc on saturday is it saturday or sunday saturday 
Uh, I assume it was Saturday, but I shall it's look. Safe to assume. It it's is Saturday. Saturday. Okay, yeah, because it's also a big week for the men's national team. Uh, we've got... Oh, yeah, those guys. Yes, we've got a bunch of qualifiers this upcoming week from Thursday to Wednesday. Mexico, Panama, Costa Rica, I believe. Away, away, home, away, um, respectively. And... Uh, got some music on this is oh my god that was a welcome so the mob app oh i, I like this started doing this thing where they like just auto play yeah that's pretty sweet. audio like, from like ads. myspace oh it's i hate it so much that's what that was just then um, i'm just looking at the u.s schedule oh, and the jazz lost by eight tonight that sucks um it was to the nets it makes sense yeah anyway so uh big game against sporting kansas city Matt put in here that we have a one zero and three record against them. Oh no, that's their record this season. That's their current. Oh, record. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I feel like we've played more games than that. That's their record. So, yeah, that's there's good. teams in MLS are doing very poorly, uh, except us. And uh, Columbus is doing all right. Chicago is doing all right. Minnesota is doing all right. Yeah, Phil- Philadelphia is level with us. Uh, so we are. Oh, and LAFC is also level with us in terms of points. Now tiebreakers um, and blah, blah, blah. But uh, Yeah, Sporting KC's having one of their years where it's like hard to tell if they're a good team or a bad team. Yeah, yeah I hope they're bad. Um, Me too. I mean, it seems bad, but they lost two teams that like you can lose to. They lost to Atlanta, they lost to Colorado, and they lost to Chicago, who normally you can't lose to, but this year they've got Shakiri. Shakiri's good, and they have a... They, they might be good this year. Do they have um, Shavelko as well? I think he plays for them now. Yeah, he scored two goals against um, Sporting. Dude, he's good. He wait. Uh, he, he was a Union player, right? Before yeah. is that right? He was yeah. with the Union before. He's very good. Speaking of Union, they also have Herbers, who can be very good. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and Jonathan. Boyd oh, they've got th- that's who else they have. They have their eighteen-year-old goalkeeper that. Is the best no, in the world. The Chicago goalkeeper? Yeah. No, he's like seven. He's 17. He's just like barely turned 17. Yeah, he was 16. He's a child, but he's incredible. He was 16 when we played him last year and we, we lost or whatever in Chicago when they oh, were really yeah. bad. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. As part of that skid that we did. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Oh, there you go. Well, that's, that's, that's Saturday. That's, uh, that's the that's the preview. I watched uh, part of an SKC game over the weekend, and I like had no idea who was playing for them. Like Polito's hurt, Shallowy's hurt, Johnny Russell's hurt. Uh, I don't know if Polito's definitely still out. I don't know about Shallowy and Russell. I don't know how serious their injuries are, but like they have a lot of guys that are injured right now. But yeah, so I do we. They're so. anticipating a bad start to their season. Yeah, I guess that's really the remarkable thing about us is that our our injuries haven't hurt us somehow yeah. yeah it's wild it's very yeah. confusing but uh i yeah i don't know how long that'll last hopefully forever it's gonna last forever we're never gonna die that sounds great i'm gonna live forever well, should we sign off i hear uh our slack is all a buzz with uh rumors about a a special episode n- maybe next week i don't know uh kind of breaking down how the team's been performing after five games uh so uh it is a buzz i, f- I was like wait where is it a bu-? it's it's a it's absolutely a buzz uh, i get it yeah thanks. i get it yeah. okay so that was right. nice i've caught up yeah 
So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, all all that. Hopefully, Justin Glad is alive and well and yeah, has a break leg. Out, break out of that hive mind and tune in next week. Am I right? We're, we're, yes. we're going to be flying. <laughs> nice. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to come up with a pun, not doing pour, so hot. Pour some honey on your phone because gonna it's going to be it's going to be sweet. Sweet. This sweet. weekend might Sticky. might might sting. There you oh, go. Yeah. I hope it. I hope it doesn't. We're going to have Jeff Hornet sack on. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Oh, there we go. We love <laughs> Jeff Hornet sack. Anyway, uh, this has gone far too off the rails. We did it. Our yes. training over here. I love it. Well, well, I wish Sarah was here to. Me too. She signed us, us out, off but, so uh, well. She was yeah. so profane, but it was you know it was. It was fair. I liked what she had to say. Technically, came out the strongly. listeners didn't know she was profane. Unless no, they, that, that is true. You know, I mean, it was. Understood. I think I, I kind of imagined you just putting in like a like a like censoring with a beep. But oh yeah, yeah. You really just. I mean, you, you you did it in form, just like with the with the music, which was great. But yeah, yeah. I just copied a little sax riff. And let's just say uh, Sarah had some strong words, not only against Albert Rusnak, but against jean shorts. It was a tough day to be. A jean yeah. short wearer and an Albert Rusnak person, if you're him. Yeah. Because so. yeah. you don't want Sarah against you. That's true. I, I personally don't. Yeah. So. Anyway. Same. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.